All right, so the final episode of the year is going to be Game of the Year. I think so. <laughs> but I, I've been thinking about this. I think I have kind of like, I have like a thing I need to, I want to talk about. Yeah, that's it. we got to talk about the thing because like you, you've uh, sort of hinted at uh, your video game situation. Like I've been uh, struggling. I did honestly. Okay, I, so what's I, going on? I didn't what's going want on? to do a game of the year episode. Okay, why? Because I don't have one. Okay, why is that? So like I've been, I've been racking my brain over the last like three or four weeks about like. Is there some fun idea I can come up with where we don't do a game of the year episode? But because I don't have a game of the year episode, a game of the year for this episode, but I'm assuming maybe YouTube might, so it doesn't really seem fair for me to like commandeer the show and do some wacky thing. So instead, I kind of no, want to talk no, I about. Insist, I insist you commandeer the show because I too have no game of the year, maybe for completely different reasons. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> this is, Should we do this, this is... episode? I mean, I guess it's too late now. <laughs> no, Federico is all riding on you, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. okay. Me... okay. You've got yeah, free fine. pick this year, whatever you want. I want to talk about why, like, why I've, I think I'm in this situation and kind of reflect a little bit on what 2021 has been for me with video games. So. Okay. I think in 2021, I have not played enough games in general. Like, like let alone the fact that I have not played most of the Game of the Year contenders, even though I wanted to. Like, I've been seeing all the lists, right? Mm. And listening to... Like, I'm still consuming the media. I'm still listening to video game podcasts. I'm still reading video game websites. I'm seeing the countdowns, and I'm like, oh my god, I haven't played any mm. of these games i will say i am pretty i feel I, f- I feel pretty good about the fact that death loop has not been the game of the year stormer that i think people thought it was going to yeah, be yeah i think honestly a lot of people had our same reaction to it yeah like initially i thought oh i'm the odd one out like i'm the problem because i'm supposed to be to like this game uh i haven't seen it as game of the year it's been in countdowns yeah but it hasn't been top tippy top which is good so like there are there are four games that i feel like i'm like i've like wanted to play but haven't with maybe a little bit of an asterisk the asterisk is metroid dread i don't know if i would enjoy <laughs> metroid dread but yeah i i mm. do want to try it but that's like the the one kind of lowest uh on my list f- for that reason so i want to play inscription because everyone keeps yep. saying inscription is this video game that like upends video games and so i feel mm-hmm. like i want to try that however it's a deck building game which i'm not i've not had great experience with in the past but because i know this one well i believe this one goes to places so that could be interesting uh, Halo Infinite, I really want to play the campaign of Halo Infinite. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I love a good first-person shooter anyway, and I, the Halo Infinite campaign seems good. And plus, you know, I have Game Pass. And so that's Halo Infinite's top of my list, um, and I haven't yet gotten to Death's Door. So these are like four games that I haven't even started but I've had interest in. And that is, let alone the games that I have really enjoyed and want to play more of. Uh, I want to finish Guardians of the Galaxy, I should probably put more time into Ratchet and Clank, but I feel like maybe the sun's set on that one. I want to play more Pokemon, more Forza, and Animal Crossing. 
Like these are like so like I've got like eight or nine games that I feel like I've really missed out on, and I don't honestly I don't even really know why this has happened. Like it turned twenty twenty one has kind of just been this weird year for me with games. I think I played way more games in twenty twenty, but I think that was just because you know we all have more time, and then my life has changed a bit in twenty twenty one where like there are things. This is where I want to get. Okay, why why is your life different? Well, I think it's because I'm living in this like hybrid time where mm. I'm still doing all the things I was doing in 2020 and I'm letting a few 2019 things back in, you know? So like there I, my world has opened up a little bit more and so I feel like some for some reason video games are put on the back burner. But this is like a sort of weird time for me because I feel like I've found a way, like I've found a, a, a path to make like gaming more comfortable for me. Just in some changes in my lifestyle, I don't, I am not susceptible in the same way that I was before to like wrist and forearm pain and stuff like that. And so it's this weird time where in 2021 I played less games, but if I wanted to, I could play more games than I had in previous years. Because if whenever I have, like, you know, when I play like Guardians of the Galaxy, like I sat down and played it for like five hours the first day. In, you know, prior to the last, say, six months or so, that mm. would have knocked me out of action for a couple of days. But right. it, that doesn't happen anymore. Like I've, I've just made some like changes, some strength and diet changes, and it's been, I've been way better from it. So basically, all of this to say is in 2022, I want to make more space for video games. I want to start by knocking off some of the games that are on my 2021 shortlist before I get too too late because some I there's a bunch of games that should be coming out in 2022 that I really want to play. Like mm. top of my list is Pokemon Legends. Oh man, yeah, okay. Right without yes. a doubt, I am pumped about that game. I'm intrigued about Starfield, which is a game mm -hmm. that who knows if I would play it, but again, it's on Game Pass. Who knows if it's coming out next year even. I mean, we'll Yeah, exactly. See, I guess. Same as Zelda, right? Like these are games that are <laughs> they are expected yeah. for 2022, but who knows. I'll I'll play Splatoon 3, especially because they've expanded they're expanding the campaign. Um like I enjoy the Splatoon mechanics, but I'm not a big multiplayer guy. Yeah. But they're yeah. doing much more of a campaign this time, so I'm pretty into that. And uh, Mario and Rabbids, which I'd forgotten, was getting a sequel. But I enjoyed the yes. first one enough that I'm looking forward to that. So there's a bunch of stuff coming. Uh, and uh, and I've got a stuff, bunch of stuff I want to catch up on. So all of this said, I do not feel like I am qualified to pick a game of the year this year. I feel like the best I can do is an honorable mention, which is to Forza Horizon 5, which I think, regardless of all the games that I played, it would be in my top three top five because it's an excellent driving game um and then my other thing that i'll say is maybe the best way that you can spend your video game money is just get game pass like the more i think about it that's where the best money in gaming is right now i think and it's only going to get better over the next couple of years it's mm. really they're doing a great they're doing great stuff microsoft do you feel like you're wanting to find more time for video games is related to a conversation that you had on Cortex about wanting to 
have more time off, like unscheduled, yes. unstructured time just for you, and then you get to pick what you want to do? Yeah, part of like, a, it, so this is something that one of the things I'm focused on for next year is, as Federico said, I, I want to f- give myself some time back, which is something that I've slowly been eking away at. And part of that, so, you know, time for me is playing video games. But like, I deprioritize video games. So like, you know, like, I love games, but if I have free time, and if, if I have free time, then I tend to spend it with my wife. Yeah. Because that's the top priority of time. But then second would be doing things that are solo activities for me, like video games. But if I only have much condensed free time, I will put that into quality time over video game time. And so want to do more video game time. I would say one thing that has helped actually is putting the Xbox in the studio. Because mm-hmm. if I've had like a spare 20 minutes... I'll do a couple of races in Forza. So that's been quite nice. So I'm intrigued to see what that looks like for me next year. So I don't really have a game of the year. Uh, I have a pledge <laughs> pledge for next year and a couple of really weird honorable mentions. Okay, so uh, how do we approach this? Um... Currently, there is, no, there is nothing moving forward into game of the year contention. Uh, we're going to have to see what Shades bring to bring to the table. <laughs> An empty buffet. Uh, but, but before we do, <laughs> let me thank our first sponsor of this episode, which is privacy.com. Privacy is a tool that makes it really easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. It does this by generating virtual card numbers, so privacy masks your bank information, so you never have to worry about giving it out to people you do not know online. I have found myself in this situation a bunch, you know, especially around the holiday season, like you're buying products, you're going to websites you've maybe not been to before because you're trying to get a good deal and you're like, ah, can I trust this company? The great thing about privacy is you don't have to worry about it because you can just create a card number for that company, give it to them. And if something goes wrong, you know how you can just you can cut it off real easy. It's super simple. I think this is really great. It's, it's such a cool service. I also love the way that it integrates with 1Password. So you can create, use, and save your privacy cards directly on your 1Password dashboard. They have all the same security benefits as your other privacy cards, which let you set spend limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards wherever you want. It's really great. And it lets you take control of your payments. You decide who can charge a card, how much, and how often. This is the great thing about privacy, no matter how you use it. And you can close down those cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure that you're never accidentally billed twice, upgraded to another service without your consent, or that someone's overcharging you. You can keep control of all of that with privacy.com. It's really cool. So go to privacy.com slash remaster and sign up for an account today. New customers automatically get $5 to spend on their first purchases. That is free money. Go to privacy.com slash remaster and sign up right now and you'll get automatically $5 to spend on your first purchase. A thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, Shahid, what have you got? Well, um, an empty buffet, sadly. That's what I'm bringing to your table. Okay, it's not completely empty, but I found it very hard to justify, like you, a game of the year simply because there was no one game that really stood out for me and there certainly wasn't a game in which i invested a lot of time that said when i went through my records and 
logs and so on, I found that I had actually played a lot more variety than I had realized. I just hadn't done anything with a huge amount of depth. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd played no games at all, but actually I've played quite a few. I think I played a lot more games in 2020. Um, it would be easy for me to have played a lot more in 2020. But I think for some reason, and I think it's because of the pandemic, um, being kind of novel last year, that made, I guess, games really cool, not just with us, but with everyone. Yeah. Suddenly it was all right to love games in 2020. You know, they were... You didn't need an excuse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like that's what you do, right? Yeah. You can't go out. So you're going to play games. So, so that's fine. And suddenly we felt like the cool kids. And this year, it's just been a drag. Like you know, the vaccine came, and you know nothing much has changed. And all right, the deaths have gone down, but there still seem to be an awful lot of restrictions. And we feel like we're kind of returning to normal, but we haven't really. And that's kind of created a lot of anxiety amongst a lot of people. Thankfully, I, you know, um, I, I know that a lot of people have managed to come up with coping mechanisms. And not everyone has been affected by this in the same way. But for me, I thought, you know, it's time for me to get back to routine and to work. And then that anxiety, uh, that low-level anxiety about your family and everything is there all the time, you know, when you've got a few kids and you constantly worried about all of them and and then when you sit down and play or certainly this is the way i felt i I just feel like after a little while the weight and the pressure of that seems to come to the forefront and there's not much i can do about it and i'm thinking yeah you know what i need to do more to secure my family so i'll do some work or um it's too late now i only had four hours of sleep last night so it would be ridiculous if I played a game now. And yet I feel like playing a game, you know, it'll be like 11, 12 o'clock and I've been up since four or four thirty or whatever. And it's like, uh, I just got to get to sleep. Otherwise this is crazy. Um, so there's been a lot of that. Um, but it's not just been games, anything else that ordinarily felt like a hobby I found has receded. So your, I guess your resolution to, have more unstructured but scheduled time for yourself, I think is is a sanity clause, you know? Um, that's a Christmas joke, by the way. Uh, I'd like something... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> just occurred to me. I, I, I would like something similar, really, but I don't know if I'm going to have the time. I'd love to do it. Um, as I said, I started a lot of games... Um, and, and, and I could, you know, I, I, I could say that the whole pandemic thing is an excuse that really, come on, Shahid, you're 56. You just don't like games anymore, but that's nonsense. Games are my life. You know, um, the other excuse I could use is, ah, well, you know, they don't make games for you to which I say, well, this is the world we live in. The games that are being made are the games that are being made. You know, I, either you're happy with them or just stop whining about it, you know? There's, there's this whole thing that I talked about for quite a while, no content for old men. Um, feeling like there was nothing that specifically targets the um, time poor and cash rich. And perhaps that is the case. Um, but I think another part of it also, uh, and I'll touch upon this in a bit more detail later, is that I still find games don't really respect my time. 
mm-hmm. in a way that other media does. And when I only have a little bit of time to spend on something, I want a guaranteed return. It's, it's another, there, there's another part of this as well, which is um, psychology. I think it was covered in a book called uh, Algorithms to Live By, where you're supposed to spend a certain amount of your time doing stuff that you've already done and another percentage of time exploring, trying new stuff. And apparently the, there's an optimum number for this. And the time for exploring is apparently 37.5%, something ridiculous like that. And this was also used uh, for dating and that kind of thing. And it seemed to work quite well. Here's the thing with that equation. It changes as you grow older. As you grow older, the amount that is safe to explore reduces because the opportunity cost is a danger, right? There's an opportunity cost. You're not going to have that much time left. So what if I spend the few remaining uh, free hours I have on something that isn't good? So you become more risk averse. And that and insurance companies are well aware of this, which is why actuary tables are the way they are and why you know, when you're driving a car at 60, it's a lot cheaper than when you're driving it at 20. Um, certainly, it's a lot safer for me at 56 because I prefer not to drive at all now if I can help it. I know I'm a bad driver <laughs> and I know I'm extremely risk averse as well. And my wife finds me incredibly boring. So in driving, that is um, not in general, thankfully, not yet, not that she's told <laughs> me. Uh, um I tell you what I have done though, I've played a lot of multiplayer games with the family, but it's more about the family than the games. There are some though that I'm gonna mention. So the other thing I've really enjoyed is just watching my son play Minecraft, which he has done endlessly. He is staggeringly good at it. Staggeringly, staggeringly. He does things that absolutely baffle me. And I think, how could he possibly have done that? He can't even read some of these words. He's improvising, spelling them. So it's teaching him so much. Um, But, you know, I've beaten around the bush long enough. Shall I tell you about some of the games I played with the family and loved? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I I think I mentioned some of these before, but Mario Party Superstars, just, you know, dead simple, but really fun with, with a few people. Really fun and silly and it makes you laugh. But the one that really made us laugh out loud, which is absolutely crazy, was Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. Play that four-player. I mean, it's just a scream. And, you know, continuing to explore this old Switch game with, with a bunch of people in a confusing environment, it's just so much fun. Um, so we had a kind of routine ritual where we would play that regularly after dinner for quite some time and that was amazing and the other one when we've got more people around is street fighter 5 for some reason everybody loves street fighter 5 i have no idea why this is i find it very hard to play for more than two or three games because i take it ridiculously seriously and um (laughs) (laughs) and and i have terrible rsi so by the time i've fried my opposition repeatedly using Blanca's electrification after a jump. Um, that's it. My my wrists are done. The Quervain syndrome is kicked in hard. My wrist is useless, and I've got to do something else and watch everyone else play. Mm-hmm. Such is life, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, the other game that I've enjoyed vicariously through my son is Super Mario Maker 2. Again, a very constructive game. Minecraft, he played in the PS4, by the way. He didn't like the Switch version. He thought it was a bit limited. Um, on the PS4, he's absolutely loved it. But Super Mario Maker 2, 
he just did some absolutely incredible stuff. And I'm thinking maybe I should get him to design my games because he's already better at it than I am. Mm. So, so that's nice. Um, and then like you, Mike, I have some games that I enjoyed and wanted to play more of, but unlike you, I know I probably won't. Um, and they are Halo Infinite, yeah. Death's Door, and XO One. Are these these are games you have played some of though, right? Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So Halo Infinite, I started the campaign mode and really enjoyed. But you know, I I love that kind of game anyway. That's that's my genre. Death Store we talked about last time. I loved. I thought it was a real surprise. Um, but since we last talked about it, I haven't played any more of it. It's just been that whole twenty twenty one thing. XO One I thought was one of the nicest feeling games I've played in a while. The controls were just so. It, it, you know that thing where games patronize you this doesn't this just puts you into a state of flow extremely quickly and all you're doing then is exploring what you can do with this device that you've got um so that's that's really nice i don't think and i've that, heard of this game it's on game pass and and i okay. tried it first of all on xbox um cloud gaming and it was so good on that okay let's download this otherwise i might not ever have downloaded it hmm. Um, I have an odd game out, and that's Metroid Dread. I bought an OLED Switch. Please don't tell my wife. I bought an <laughs> OLED Switch. She doesn't listen to remasters. It's okay. Um, just to play this game. It's sitting here right in front of me. I'm looking at it, and it's looking at me. It's judging me. It's saying, you've not played me for more than three hours. What is wrong with you? The Metroid Dread card is still in the machine. It has only been recharged. You're going to hate me for this, guys once mm. it sits on the dock um and that one recharge was after the first time i played it for i don't know two three hours and i want to go back to it because i love metroid metroid is one of the greatest games of all time uh i love derivatives i mean i was a massive massive turrican fan um turrican 2 is one of my favorite games of all time so i've really been looking forward to this plus the developer mercury uh, steam yeah. Um, were a developer I worked with at PlayStation back in 2006. So I helped them get onto the PS3, believe it or not. Uh, so uh, they're lovely, lovely people. Uh, I haven't seen them in quite some time, but um, I love them. So I, I like to play games by developers that I love, which is a bit, bit weird, I know. I know. Mm. Not many people can say that, so who can relate, eh? Um, yeah, Metroid Dread. I... I want to play it. I probably will play it some more, but I need to make a commitment. You know, it's like it's like the whole um you know you should marry somebody, but you haven't proposed yet. You really need to just pull your finger out and propose, you know? Uh and and that's Metroid Dread for me. <laughs> that's very relatable. <laughs> okay, so these are the ones that surprised me. Guilty pleasures that I played more than I realized or went back to after a while. So uh, one of these is Quake. I actually played Quake on Game Pass a lot. And you know what? I didn't just play it on the Xbox Series S. I played it on my PC as well. Right. That's the other nice thing about Game Pass. Of course, you got it on the PC. Um, I played it a lot, and I realized that it's got some of the best level design in any game ever, and it still stands up today. So I really enjoyed that. Played that for a long time. It's actually the game I probably played more than any other this year. Um, Geometry Wars 3. 
I know it's really old, but you know when when I've got like five minutes and I want to beat a friend's high score, that's the one I'll turn on. I'll quick go at that, and I know I will have made an attempt at a friend's high score in five, ten minutes, and that's enough for me. But the other one that I really enjoyed going back to was God of War on the PS5, because uh, obviously I played it on PS4. Didn't get as far as I would have liked, but I started playing it again on PS5 and played that more than I realized and really enjoyed it this time. And didn't enjoy it as much last time. I don't know why. Maybe I was distracted. God knows. Um, games I got totally hyped for, but that didn't grab me and probably should have, and I don't know why they didn't, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, Deathloop is the only game I can think of in that category. Um, would you like my top six revelations of 2021? It's just like we're doing roti now. It's revelations of the year. Revelations of the year. I like that. Roti. Roti, uh, roti, roti is also um, uh, Punjabi yeah. and Urdu for, yeah, you you get it, right? Yeah, yeah it's like a, what am I talking like about. bread, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Roti is bread. So um, I don't buy Steam games anymore, hmm. which is ludicrous because I have like okay. seven, 800 games in my library. Maybe more, but this last year I think I bought less than half a dozen, which because is my lowest Xbox count. Game Pass ever. has PC games. That's this. If, if you, uh, That's the either, genius. Have either of the two of you been infected by this phrase in the same way that I have? I see it which in enough phrase? YouTube videos. Xbox Game Pass has PC games. This is their like marketing slogan. Mm. And it, I've said this on the show before, I think. I find it such a. It's, they've constructed this sentence which sounds so peculiar that it can't get it out of my head. Xbox mm. Game Pass has PC games, but yeah, it does. So, well, if if you think about it, it's actually one of their better slogans. It sounds absurd to anyone who knows anything about video games, mm -hmm. but to those who don't, those who are only console players, right? It doesn't really matter. They don't care because they're never going to get a PC. But PC players who've never touched consoles in their life probably thinking Xbox games, Xbox Game Pass. What the hell has that got to do with me? But if these same people have been hearing all the positive vibes about Game Pass for Xbox, they've been going, ah, oh, they got all the good games. And then you realize it's on the PC. Yep. That's why it's such a clever phrase. Mm -hmm. A lot of respect for them. Their long-term vision is working out very nicely indeed. Yep. So yeah, so my um, number one revelation is I almost never buy any uh, Steam games. And I used to buy tons. Um, my focus, number two, has shifted to switch games for the family. Oh, by the way, you are going to love this, and this is something you can laugh at me for forever. I recently went through my Switch cartridge collection. I try and buy as many things as I can on cartridge because of the whole hassle of moving things between Switches. Um, guess which character appears in my collection more than any other by some yeah. considerable margin? It's our good friend, <laughs> Mr. Mario Mario. Friend, Mr. Mario, <laughs> yeah. Mario, Luigi, Wario. And the kids insist on Mario, Luigi, and Wario. So we've got Luigi's one Mansion, WarioWare, and all of the rest of it. You know, we've got tons. I think we've got more than 10 Mario games, and we love them. And I don't care. I've, I've completely done a 180 there. But generally, when I buy games for the, for the family, um, it's Switch. Otherwise, it's going to be PS5 or Xbox Game Pass. Um, my third revelation, Xbox Cloud Gaming is a spectacular way to demo games. You mentioned this last time. Um, but it's the thing that reveals my favorite bugbear about games today. And this is what I mentioned earlier. They just don't grab you quickly enough. They don't respect my time. 
And anything that doesn't respect my time, I've got no time for, <laughs> you know. Um, I've had friends say, oh, you you got to watch this. And I'll watch it. And I'll say, and I'll say, uh, am I missing something? Oh, it gets really good after three episodes. Really? I'll just watch something that's good from the get-go because that would be a better use of my time and this might just be me being old and grotty and that whole thing about uh algorithms to live by and you know wanting a guaranteed return on my time invested i don't know return on time invested that's grotty as well um so no if it doesn't grab me straight away that's a problem and i think books music and uh film and tv have got this right a lot more often but that's the thing about Xbox Cloud Gaming. It will get me to that decision before I wasted half an hour or whatever downloading something, um, which, which is great. Uh, the fourth revelation for me um, or observation is that PS5 is cinema, Game Pass is Netflix, and the Switch is Disney+. Plus. Okay. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I think that's exactly what I think too. Wait, wait, mm. can, can you go at it again? So Switch is Disney Plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So PS5 Cinema, Game Pass is Netflix, and Switch is Disney Plus. Oh yeah. That, so the Switch has about... all my favorite characters. Mm. Game and uh, the the basically Xbox, right? I know you said Game Pass, but I consider it Xbox. The Xbox is where I can just try out a bunch of stuff and see if there's anything that I like, and it's all just there. And then if I really want to have the very best experience, I will play on the players PlayStation 5. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that is something that's become more and more apparent for me this year. Yeah. Uh the the fifth thing is I I do miss people. Uh I miss people terribly, even though I'm an introvert, even though I like to have my own thinking time and I like my shed. But I miss people terribly. And for that reason, I spent a lot more time playing board games with friends online, not video games online. We kind of tried that, but board games were just so much more relatable, I guess, because we're all kind of, you know, 50 plus and whatever. We've been in the, in we're all in the industry and been in the industry decades. Or well, one of us isn't, three of us, mm -hmm. three of us are. So, We've been playing board games online um, because it gives you time to breathe, time to talk, and also allows you to think about gameplay in a much more abstract way. But also been playing board games with the family, so in real life, you know, proper board games. So there is still that. And I just think that if traditional video game companies were to understand this whole phenomenon, um, they would make a fortune. Because right now I find multiplayer not fun. We've talked about this before as well. I know we keep saying we talked about this before, but but the reason is that it becomes more and more apparent year on year is that if you if you haven't got a zillion hours to spend becoming great, then playing online is not fun. You're just going to get destroyed. And nobody seems to have sorted that. So I just think that there is a massive opening. I think Among Us was a great example of what uh, of how to get something online right and anyone else following not the among us um principles but 
just the principle of how do I make something that's really appealing that doesn't require you to have invested a gazillion hours of time up front? Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's not really... um, The skills that you develop aren't motor skills as Mm. such, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not how fast can you aim and all that kind of stuff. Right. So... My final revelation, this will be a revelation to you both and be a big surprise to some people, maybe not to you too. Have a guess what my next gaming device is likely going to be. Um, a VR headset. I would have said the um, Steam Deck. Uh, the Steam Deck, yes. Close. Uh, I already have the uh, Quest 2. Mm-hmm. And I have the Steam Deck on the pre-order wait list, whatever it is, but that's delayed. No, my next gaming device is likely to be an Xbox Series X. Oh. Ah, okay. Okay. Because, yeah. Why? Because, because they have convinced me that there is going to be a stream of content that I'm going to enjoy. Huh. And now that I've tasted it, on the Series S, I want the full experience. Do you think that that's going to be a a thing that a lot of people experience? No, I mean, for me, I I, I don't know. Re- I'm not really into it that way because for that same way, if you mentioned before that, like most of the really good games, like the really big games, they're available on PlayStation and Xbox, and so I mm. just pick PlayStation for I want to put like where well, I want to have that like full. Uh, 4K experience on my TV or whatever. But yeah. Otherwise, I'm I'm dipping into uh, Xbox Series S and seeing what's available for me. There's just so much great stuff in Game Pass, and also remember EA Play. That mm. I'm trying all of this stuff and thinking, you know what? I probably would enjoy uh, Forza Five, but I know it's going to be so much better. Well, not so much better, but noticeably better, certainly to me, on an X. And and there are quite a few other games on there at the moment that I'm pretty sure would be better on an X. Halo Infinite's gonna be better on an X. You know, it's gonna be there's gonna be a few that I'm gonna yeah. spend quite a lot of time on. And I just want it to be the best possible experience. And I'm you know, I'm at that age where I'm willing to pay a premium for experience. We've talked about that before as well. We're absolutely fine with paying more for experience. That's not money wasted as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if there was no content, yeah, it'd be money down the drain, but why not? Well done, Microsoft. All right, so we still do not have <laughs> a game of the year <laughs> or any real contender to go forward. Uh, before we go to Federico, I hope's got an answer for us. Let me tell you about our second sponsor of this week's episode, and that is the Nostalgia Goggles podcast. Are the games of our childhood as good as we remember, or do we just have nostalgia goggles? In every episode, Lions and George play another classic game to see if it still holds up. Each game is broken down by its visuals, audio, and mechanics, with a promise to do zero research outside of playing the game itself. Games reviewed cover a range from the arcade era through to PlayStation 1 and the N64. Beloved games, I should say, like Super Mario Bros., Zelda, Doom, some of the more notorious stuff like Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and Superman 64. So I've been checking out some episodes of the show recently. 
And I really love the concept, for one. Like, I often, too, wonder if we look back on some of these games too fondly. Like, And I like the idea of nostalgia goggles. Like, we look back on them. It's like roast into glasses, right? And think, like, oh, this is incredible. That when you sit down and try it again, you realize how it maybe doesn't hold up the same way. And look, while a good idea for a podcast is can help make it great, for me, the relationships of the hosts is really kind of what tips it over for me to make a show fun. And that's my favorite thing about nostalgia goggles. Like, they, they have... They have a real great chemistry between the hosts. You could tell they're good friends and they like playing video games and talking to each other about it. Um, and they just put out an episode recently on Portal 2, which is a game that I have a lot of fondness for, which I do think holds up. And it was really great to hear them talk through it too. I, I recommend checking this out. It's a lot of fun. To start listening now, go to nostalgiagoggles.audio slash remaster, or you can search for Nostalgia Goggles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or in your favorite podcast app. So that's nostalgiagoggles.audio slash remaster. There's a link in the show notes too. Or you can search for Nostalgia Goggles podcast in any podcast app. A thanks to Nostalgia Goggles for their support of this show and Relay FM. Come on in, Federico. Save us. All right. So, um... I played a lot of games in 2021, <laughs> and uh, I and it's not just that. As usual, like I like to start a lot of games. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much choice on any marketplace right now that it, you know I thankfully I can set aside a budget for like trying a bunch of different beta games, seeing what sticks, seeing what doesn't, and of course having services like Game Pass sort of feeds into that habit as well. So I've started a lot of games. I haven't finished all the games that I've started, but what I'm happy with is that compared to 2020, when I was really obsessed with Pokemon and specifically Pokemon Sword and competitive play, my video game diet was a lot more varied in 2021. I've played all the consoles, really. I've spent time on Nintendo Switch, on PlayStation, on Xbox, and I would say the Xbox Series X with the combination of like the console itself and Game Pass and Xbox Cloud has been my gaming revelation of the year. I've said this before on the show, like no one is doing what Microsoft is doing at the moment. And I am like, I am appreciating this so much with Halo Infinite right now, but I'm going to get to Halo Infinite in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, so I I've started a lot of games. I've completed more games than before um i would say that my sort of this process started um there's a another there's an aside here which is to say that like last year i was struggling with my mental health and thankfully you know especially thanks to the support of my family and my friends i was able to do a lot better in 2021 which is also reflected in i hope and i believe in the quality of my work at mac stories and the things that i was able to launch at mac stories but that's a different conversation um I was in the so basically after the holiday break last year, I was in the mood for a lot of video games, and that never stopped. Basically, that that feeling never never went away. So this started with two 2020 games that I finished in 2021, so they don't exactly count as um, 
games for 2021, but I still want to mention them. It's like they put me in the right mood, I think. Um, Spider-Man Miles Morales, I finished in February, I think. And Final Fantasy VII Remake, finally, I picked it up again and I finished the PlayStation 4 version on PS5. So this is before they did the upgrade for PS5. So those two games done, um, I started playing other stuff. Um, the first one, I, so there's a bunch of things here that I want to mention. Um, there's more, there's, again, lots of games that I've tried. I just tried to pick the highlights here. Uh, I've mentioned That's Door before uh, here on the show. This is a lovely um Action adventure game uh, on Xbox. I believe it's also on Nintendo Switch now and PlayStation. Um, sort of shares some elements with Dark Souls. Um, of course, it's not as nearly as unforgiving as a Dark Souls game, but it's really lovely. Um, don't let the name fool you. It's not a dark game. It's a it's a fun, cutesy game that you know is the controls are really tight and it's beautiful and you can dip in and out and it's really fantastic game. <laughs> Um, let's see. I want to start by mentioning Final Fantasy Remake, the DLC episode Intermission. So Intermission um, is the, it's a separate, it's a DLC to Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's not Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2. You play as Yuffie, which is one of the original characters for Final Fantasy VII. So what I like about the Yuffie DLC is that it picks up in the middle of the main story from the main game. Like you actually see Cloud and Tifa and Barrett and all the other guys doing their own thing. So you drop in in the middle of the original story as Yuffie, who you control with a totally different mechanic from Cloud and the rest of the original cast of Final Fantasy VII. And it's beautiful on PS5. Like Square Enix did an excellent job upgrading the PS4 game on PS5. Um... And I really love the, like, I think it's an easier combat mechanic than your, than Final Fantasy VII Remake because, like, they made Yuffie overpowered, essentially, with, you know, her ninja skills and moves and how you can throw the, what's it called? The shuriken? Um, but yeah, it's really, it's, it's a fun game that I'm, 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 I've tried not to finish it all in, like, one week, but I'm, I think I'm approaching the end. Uh, so that's definitely one of my highlights of the year. Uh, also because I loved Final Fantasy VII Remake so much, and I know that it's going to be a long wait for part two, like for the proper chapter two, I kind of want to let this last as long as possible. Um, Super Mario 3D World and especially Bowser's Fury on Nintendo Switch. I and Again, specifically, I want to call out Bowser's Fury. This is the sort of the the addendum to Super Mario 3D World, which was a Nintendo Wii U game that was brought over to Nintendo Switch as a single package containing the original 3D World and Bowser's Fury. And Bowser's Fury is this shorter, more compact adventure where I feel like Nintendo is trying some stuff that we will probably see at some point in a main series, like in a mainline Mario game. And more specifically, they are trying the like more open open world approach, sort of Zelda-inspired at a much, much, much smaller scale than a Zelda game in this Mario DLC in Bowser's Fury, because you're you're basically you're free to explore this area 
that it's not like a central hub like in previous Mario games where like you have the hub and then you choose like the world where you want to navigate to. This is an open area and you move from island to island and each island is like its own self-contained puzzle where you can collect stars. And I feel like this is an experiment for Nintendo to try a proper open Mario game where you, you there's no disconnect between um, the, the, the central hub and you starting a level. It's all connected. It's all part of the same world. And because it's, you know, this game is, a, you know, it's, it's just a short game. You can finish it in like 12 to 15 hours. I think it's a, it really works as an experiment. Um, it's pretty, of course. Uh, Nintendo doesn't have that kind of problem with graphical fidelity on Nintendo Switch because they don't care. Um, again, I, I'm approaching the end of this game and uh, I've been really enjoying it. I, I got a bunch of games playing at the moment and I can dip in and out and I kind of like it. Um, Pokemon Brilliant, Di Brilliant Diamond I started a couple of weeks ago I plan to really dig deep into this over the holiday break before Pokemon Legends comes out. I I think I'm at least going to finish the main, you know, the you know the Elite Four and you know the main story yeah, yeah. before Pokemon Legends. This came out three weeks ago. I was busy with Max Story Selects, so I haven't put in as much time. But this is what I'm gonna play for Christmas, basically. Um, I like the quality of life improvements. We talked about this before. This is an old school Pokemon game. It doesn't have the same mechanics as Pokemon Sword and Shield. I, I can tell you, I do not miss random encounters. Like I, this game has them because it's it's a faithful, mostly a faithful remake of the original game. And they are faithful to the point where they kept the random encounters instead of Pokemon just walking around in the overworld. I do not want random encounters back. I, I'm so used to being able to choose when I want to fight a Pokemon um, that, yeah. I mean, I can, I can live with this for one game. I am not nostalgic for this kind of mechanic. In a, in a Pokemon game. I think the future is you see the Pokemon walking yes. around, you see them in their natural habitat, and you're free to choose what you want to do. Yes, I don't want to fight them all. Not every yeah. Zubat in a cave. I want to catch them all. I want to fight them all. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, so now we get to really my 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 top one, two, three, four. Top four of top the year. Top four. Top four. That's also a show. Um mm -hmm. One that I'm playing right now, I was playing this last night until 5 a.m., um, Kina Bridge of Spirits on PS5. This is a beautiful, charming, surprisingly difficult at times action-adventure game. It looks incredible. I believe this is the first game by the developers of Kina. They are an animation studio, and it really oh, shows. Yeah. It really I shows. This one. Like it's a beautiful. It's not. Look, it's not the most original game you've ever played. It shares a lot of. Like you can see some God of War here, and you can see some Zelda there, and you can see some Horizon. Uh, you know uh, what's it called? Um, Zero Dawn. A, what's Zero Dawn? Thank you. You can see some Zero Dawn in some elements. Like it's got a, a little bit of everything sprinkled sprinkled on top, but it's enjoyable, and the story is su is surprisingly emotional. And it can, it's not an easy game. Like, I, I die a bunch of times, and I got to try, like, there was one boss that I've had to try 10 different times. So 
it looks beautiful. It's open worldish. There's fast travel, which is really fast on PS5. I'm enjoying this a lot. And it makes excellent use of the DualSense controls. So okay. this is fun and pretty, and it makes a PS5. It's one of those games that it makes you happy that you got a PS5. Forza Horizon 5, right? Um, mm-hmm. This is the this is one of the best games of the year, one of the reasons to get an Xbox. It's also, like Halo Infinite, one of the reasons why I appreciate the Xbox e- ecosystem so much. I can play locally at home on my big, beautiful TV, and I can enjoy the, that sweet 4K60 graphics, or I can play on my phone, either, you know, if I'm in another room with, uh, you know, using remote play, or I can play with uh, Xbox Cloud. Like, there's multiple ways to have the, to enjoy the same game. And, it re- and this is an example of what, make, what makes Xbox unique to me these days. And of course, Forza is the perfect game to pick it up every few days. Like, it's not like, say, a Zelda game or a Metroid game where I'm just going to play this game, you know, for a couple of weeks. No, I can leave it there, then I can pick it up, see what's new on the map, go do a bunch of races, a bunch of quests, and then play something else. And, of course, Xbox makes this easy thanks to um, instant... uh, What's it called? Instant Resume? Um, Yeah, Quick Resume or Instant... Quick Resume, thank you. Quick Resume is, again, one of the other things that I like... Why don't other consoles have this? Like, I should be able to switch back and forth between multiple open games, like apps on my iPhone. Yeah. Um, so Forza, it's it's again, it's it's beautiful, it's f- fun, it's fast, and it, it's a mindless, fun, beautiful game. Top two: Halo Infinite and Metroid Dread. Okay. Now, Halo. Halo Infinite is surprising me at the moment. I'm playing the campaign, making good progress on the campaign. I told you before, like, when I... Again, earlier this year, one of the many games that I've started, uh, the first Halo, as the Master Chief Collection. And I think I'm about 60% through that game. And I told you at the time, like, I think I'm into Halo. Like, Mm -hmm. this game works for me. The controls are incredibly tight and precise and intuitive, which is not something that you can always say about first-person shooters. Um, And I like the story. I like the setting. Then, of course, I didn't finish the game. So what I did uh, before Halo Infinite, I read some story recaps, and I watched some videos to get up to speed on the Halo lore and main story. And I can tell you, I'm loving Infinite. Um, the, the open world approach really works for me um, because it's a, this b- beautiful open space doesn't make me feel, you know, claustrophobic because of, you know, usually uh, shooters are like, there's a hallway and you go down the hallway for 20 hours. It's like, okay, th- here it works because it's it's pretty. You can shoot outside and you can drive outside. And I guess it's always been true of Halo games, but here you get to choose what you want to do. And that's what works for mm. me because it's not as r- like over-the-top open world like a Ubisoft game that is overwhelmingly open world. It's open world, and you get to choose. Like there's, you have different waypoints, and you have different quests and subquests, but it's like open world for you know adults. 
I, I like to think of it. Like, yeah, you get to choose, but like it it's not like an Assassin's Creed, basically. And it really works. And I, I set it to play at uh, uh, 120 field, uh, degree field of view. Boy, it's incredible. And again, controls are tight. Um, bosses are fun. The grappling hook, it's really fun to play with, even in single player. I've played some online multiplayer. Me, the guy who never plays online. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun game. I love the RP, the, the the role playing elements with the upgrades and the skill trees, and of course trying the mm. different weapons and upgrading my character before a really challenging boss, because I like to do that. Well, let me ask you a question. You said about yeah. the story stuff. Is that necessary to know the story to enjoy this game, or could you just let it kind of wash look, over you? I look. I watched the recap. That is a ten minute video. And it was totally mm-hmm. fine. Like it's oh, okay. just to know the basic facts, like what happened to Cortana, like that kind of stuff. Is this uh, uh, you, are you on YouTube or is this in the game? There, there are so many. Like you can Google oh, Halo right. story recap okay. or Polygon has a bunch of articles. It's right. very okay. easy. Like it's it's a it's not you know it's not Metroid lore that can mm-hmm. get complicated and a little bit you know. Uh, it's challenging to get into. It's a fun story. It's about, you know, different alien races and AI and the Master Chief. It, and also things are pretty much explained to you at the beginning of the game. So don't worry. I would say watch the recap, one of the many recaps under 10 minutes and you're good to go. However, my game of the year, I'm just going to go right out and say it. My game of the year is Metroid Dread on Nintendo Switch. All right. There's, a, there's one simple reason besides the simple I love Metroid, which is true. This is the first game that I have completed at 100% in the past I don't want to say 20 years, but let's say 15 years. (laughs) 100% completion rate. I'm not sure I've ever done that. I don't (laughs) think I've ever 100% at a game. (laughs) Yeah. And I I did it with Metroid Dread. Um, This is everything I was hoping Mercury's team could do following their uh, 3DS debut with uh, Samus Returns from a few years ago. It picks up where they left off on the 3DS. And basically, this game is a more mature version of that game on 3DS. The controls are even tighter and more and easier to, you know, to switch between different weapons and to um, you know, to 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 activate the, you know, the 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 special run and the, you know, what's it called, the shine spark and that kind of stuff. Um, the graphics are of course improved. The story, I really like it. Uh, especially the ending. Uh, there's a moment where I gasped in the middle of the story. It's like it, it's a classic Metroid story. Um, the variety of the planet is great. Um, my only negative comment about this game is that there's not enough music. Like, I would have liked to have more music, which is also something that I said about Breath of the Wild a few years ago. I wish there was more soundtrack in Metroid Dread. But otherwise, I played 40 hours of this game. I have finished this game, 100%ed it. Um, I, I was obsessed with it in a good way. Uh, 
it's the kind of experience that it has made all the wait for a new Metroid game worth it. It makes mm. me incredibly excited about what Nintendo and Retro Studios are going to do for Metroid Prime 4, whenever that is. But Samus is one of my why one of my all-time favorite video game characters, and Metroid is up there with Zelda and Pokemon in terms of like all-time favorite video games. And Samus is back, baby. And Metroid Dread is my game of the year. So by default, Metroid Dread is the remastered game of the year. I if you guys will let me do it. There's no other it, way it can work. The two of us brought nothing. <laughs> And, then, and you know what? A game like that would make me happy if it was game of the year. Yeah. Let's do it then. Congratulations to Federico. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations <laughs> to me and congrats to, to Samus in addition to defeating the big bird in the game. You also won the remaster award. So good job. 